Welcome to Clinically Impressed, the show where we dive deep into the world of social work, mental health, and everything in between. We are your hosts, Rebecca and Ashley, and we will explore various social work topics with the use of insight, guests, and lots of curse words. I'm thrilled to have you join the chaos coordinators today. I'm Ashley, MSW grad, clinical therapist, and formally did time in the CPF trenches. And I'm Rebecca, LCSW, clinical therapist, doctoral student, and also served some time for CPS. Before we jump into today's topic, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast so you never miss out on the newest episodes. And if you enjoy what you hear, leave us a good review. If you don't, then don't. Be f- real. And let's get started on today's topic. Welcome back, Clinties, to season one, episode five. And um, we're going to be here today with me, of course, Ash, host, and over here. And Bex, also host. Totally forgot about Bex. <laughs> wow. Didn't. But we have a special guest today. And it is um, Sam. She is one of our longtime <laughs> friends, but has a ton of experience. So, Sam, give us a quick intro about who you are. A little bio. Hello, everyone. I'm Sam. <laughs> um, I have my master's in forensic psychology. And cool. some of my more recent work experience is working with mandated reporters um, for child abuse. That's what I do, okay. usually. So it sounds like you bring a lot of experience and expertise to the table of social work world. The world of social yes. work. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. All right. Well, before we get into it with Sam, we're going to talk about trending things. My favorite, my Ooh. favorite part of the pod. Okay. Okay. So both of you guys, feel free to comment on this. I'm a big TikTok fan, but my biggest thing is I always bring one up, Sam. This is our TikTok section where I bring up something that's been going on and trending in the world. And my favorite one this week that's big is women getting drafted into military oh, for the war. Lord. I have definitely seen a lot of TikToks about that. Sam, have you seen it? <laughs> yes, I have seen some. Um, memes of it <laughs> yes okay i mean there is the obvious favorites where it's like it shows the president and at the little podium and it says like pov you're a woman about to get drafted mm-hmm. and then the next thing is like the two call of duty looking characters and it's like me and my best friend expressing our anger issues <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> but the greatest stuff that i've seen are the comments mm-hmm. have you guys seen them Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of the couples. Oh, the couple. Yeah, couples. if a husband and wife got drafted <gasps> together. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Hold on to that because my favorite is the girlies. So okay. And they're commenting on there. And I'm just going to give a few examples because these really resonated with me. <laughs> and I felt them. And it was one like, no, but like, what are we going to wear? <laughs> As or, okay, but I'm not going to go unless someone else drives. That's true. That I felt that one in my Drive soul. the tank. Yeah. Or, but like, what's the parking going to be like? <laughs> Immediate anxiety. Because, yeah, that's, I think about that anytime. <laughs> or I'm only joining if me and my BFF can be on the same bunk. <laughs> or the same team. Or same, yeah. What's the team's situation? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I saw one really funny one that was like, yeah, but can the military fit stop looking like they're ordered from Sheen? <laughs> <laughs> 
They never fit. Anyways. Oh, like, oh, I know. The women ones are so horrible. <laughs> they all look like boxes. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's trending. <laughs> Thoughts on it? Tell me about the couples. What is that? Well, before, I, well, the couples, it's pretty funny. It's mostly about arguments. So, mm, like, mm-hmm. um, if one, like, the husband is like, um, if you do this again, we're not going. And the wife's like, well, I didn't want to go anyway. <laughs> and so they're just arguing the whole time. It was the funniest stuff ever. Oh, I, you know what? I think I might have seen one where they're in. Um, what are those big ass things? The, the tank? The tank. <laughs> I can't join, obviously. They're in the tank and it's like husband. I don't know if it's husband, wife, but it's the vid inside mm-hmm. is a girl and a guy's behind her. And she like looks over at him all like, oopsies, hit a curve. <laughs> Oh my um, God, I guess. But I, what I keep seeing now is, and I don't know if this is true. I have done no research at all, but said something like, "If you have been per, been taking and been prescribed an antidepressant for like a consecutive twelve months, twelve months, that. then you're automatically not eligible." And so, like all these girls are like, "Me and my mental health problems, <laughs> living life." I did see that one. The jokes on you. We're all disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no one signing no up one's at this rate. <laughs> no one's got <laughs> I saw this one where um they were talking about how the book girlies, the ones that are into the really smutty books. Oh, the TikTok books? Yes. yes. They're like, I can't promise I won't jump to the other team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> book talk. Oh my goodness. The girlies are so funny. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. I love it. I want more of it. But is this real? Are we really getting drafted for Ilzies, though? Because I don't want to go. Team, I'm definitely too old at this point. Isn't it only like drafting age, like 18 to 24 or something? No, I thought it was 34. Yeah. Uh, boom, past it. Hey. <laughs> I'm still qualified, but is there something for like nursing mothers that would disqualify me, maybe? Just tell them you're on some meds or something. That's no, what I do. Use that nursing mother and be like, I'm reading and growing in the future. Get out of here. Do you want more qualified participants or yeah, what? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's my trending top. Well, today our episode is about mandated reporting mm-hmm. and our experiences with mandated reporting. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, what has been your experience, Sam, with mandated reporters? Wait, pause. Pause. First and foremost, Sam, what is a mandated reporter? Although we assume only social workers listen to this, let's be inclusive. And maybe people don't know what a mandated reporter is. You're right. Is. I, jumped, I jumped ship real too soon. <laughs> Educate us, Sam. Okay. A mandated reporter is somebody who is has to report child abuse or neglect by law. So that mm-hmm. would include uh, that includes um, teachers, school staff, hospitals, doctors, nurses, therapists, counselors, pretty much anyone who works with kids really um, has has to report those things, any suspicion of abuse or neglect by law. Suspicion, there you go. Mm, That's Mm -hmm. the key word. That's the Mm -hmm. word. Got it. Okay. Now, go ahead. Sorry. So with the suspicion of abuse, I think that's really such a broad thing because what is it based off of? My suspicion, your suspicion, Mm -hmm. Santa Claus's suspicion. (laughs) Like whose suspicion are we suspicion of? And not only that, I think it's, it's subjective in what what people consider abuse and neglect. I think there's a lot of biases that come mm-hmm. through in in that and Personal you know, things that are 
different experiences would make me think that something looks, you know, like an abuse or neglect compared to somebody else who maybe grew up different or has a different experience in life and, and sees things differently or does just doesn't have the background that, that some of us have in dealing with these kinds of, um, you know, allegations. So I think that comes into play too, the suspicion. Mm -hmm. And then what, you know, really checking our biases to know what is abuse and what is neglect. So what do you think about like, how are these, does it reflect on how these people are actually trained as mandated reporters? Like what do, can you tell if one person's more trained than the other or is it all just, what do you, what is your experience with people who are trained and not trained? Mm. I don't know if it's, I think everybody is just so, the training is so different. I think like, um, there's some people who will just call in everything and anything because they want to just cover themselves Mm -hmm. and make sure that they report every little possible suspicion of anything. Mm -hmm. And then, um, others that won't, won't report unless they hear something very, um, extreme or very serious. And so I think it, the training is, comes from different places, right? Like schools are trained in their, Mm -hmm. their policy. And I suppose they should all be following like the laws of mandated reporting, but the way they implement it is all very, very different across the board. That's so interesting because wasn't mandated reporting a really big topic when it came to the Gabriel Fernandez case, that it was Mm -hmm. such a big important part of the entirety of that case and they Mm -hmm. were saying at some point in the documentary that even the security guard at the welfare office was someone who was mandated yeah well Mm -hmm. so getting into who's mandated is really interesting because that changes depending on the state that you're in Mm -hmm. so i have a little bit of research because that's who i am um so i'm gonna read a little something So let me think, let me get to it. So some other professionals frequently mandated across states include commercial film or photograph processors. That one is so interesting to me. And that comes from back in the day with them throwaway cameras or whatever, where you had to develop film and not digital cameras when you would develop film Mm. at like Walgreens. So the person who was collecting the film and giving out for child pornography or photos that were being taken of kids. So that had to be implemented. And suddenly the 18-year-old working at Walgreens developing footage became a mandated reporter. reporter, (gasps) But just being told, hey, you're a mandated reporter. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, and I don't know everybody's experience, I was told I was a mandated reporter when I was 22 in my college program for social work. And I was told nothing else. Mm. Uh, boom, no you're training. mandated reporters. Yeah, I have, to this day, I have had one mandated reporting training. Mm-hmm. And I took it myself because I found it on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I, this was after I had had years of experience, after I'd had a master's program, after I'd been licensed. And I was like, ooh, this is a state-regulated mandated reporter training. I'm going to take this. And the training was specifically was for different types of profession. Law enforcement was on there, healthcare, social work specific, child welfare specific. And there were things I was over reporting is what is what I was trying to do. Oh. That, so the training is interesting. What training do you have, Sam, with mandated reporting? Um, I just got one one training before in, in one of my jobs and that's it. I haven't had that's anything so, else. So yeah. It's so interesting. I think it's. 
Uh, to me, it's a little upsetting that it's not more regulated, I feel like. Mm. I, I know some people have issues with regulation like that, but to me, I feel like there needs to be a basis of federal regulation, a basis federal penal code, mm-hmm. and then, of course, each state makes their own laws, but based at least there's a foundation of federal regulation, mm-hmm. but I just don't believe that there is, and there's not as far as training goes. There are specific penal codes according to states, mm-hmm. but it's all different. For instance, substance abuse counselors, there's their mandated reporters in only 13 states. Probation and parole officers, only 15. Wow, because they interact with a lot of families yeah. more so than someone like a trash man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's 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 interesting. Six states include domestic violence workers on the list of mandated reporters. Only six. Only six, Only six wow. of the list. So it's interesting. Um, court-appointed special advocates. Court-appointed. The CASA workers. Mm-hmm. Seven states. Only seven. Wow. I don't know if y'all remember how many states we got. But- <laughs> a lot more than seven. <laughs> Lord, that's crazy. And then uh, personally to me... The most upsetting one is only as of now, clergy are only 26 states. We've reached more than 50% for them, which is huge because the first federal law that came to come about clergy even being mandated reporters wasn't until 2003. And that was in the wake of reactions. Mm -hmm. That one actually surprises me for it being so high, honestly, compared to the other ones. I wouldn't. Ex- I I think they get more True. pushback from that group of people, and it can blur some lines, you know. And oh well, let me just get into it for a second. They're still protected when it comes to priest penitent privilege. Mm. So if I'm talking to a priest, but just talking, mm-hmm. and then I admit whatever, they have to report that technically and legally. But if I'm confessing and I'm talking to my priest in the confessional mm. form, that is priest per- pen- penitent privilege. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. <laughs> way deeper than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it gets heavy real fast. I remember having a lot of um, people from church groups that I was connected with when I was doing CPS work and mm-hmm. they would ask for advice about whether this is reportable or not. Naturally, I had to report anyways, because uh-huh. I was always on the clock when they called me and always had to do it as part of Please my duty. More. <laughs> but um, they they never knew what to do. And so I started digging further into that concept and to come to find out that they were just told that the, the people that were on the church board and things like that were just told that they have to be mandated reporters, but they didn't even know what that meant. My immediate question, and I've had the same thing. I've had people who, you know, was involved in church ask me questions. And when they'd say that, I don't know what to do. I would be like, you know exactly what to do. There's a reason you call me. But you think you're feeling guilty for a perpetrator of abuse rather than a child. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you're not getting any sympathy from me. Yeah. Do you you see in your line of work, Sam, a lot of people who – Underreport or overreport? Um, more over, I think, mm-hmm. and it happens more often in usually like in schools. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be a teacher, teacher's aide, mm-hmm. counselor, mm-hmm. and principal all report the same thing, and I think they all just feel 
because they're all mandated reporters that they all need to call it in. Um, mm. And it's, and I don't know. I mean, maybe they do, but <laughs> they'll all have talked and, and they'll all know that, you know, they're all, this is needs to be reported. And then we'll just get it from several people, the same exact incident. So I think they all just feel mm. like they have to do it themselves. I wonder if that clogs up like the, the phone lines, you know, when you got four or five people calling in for the same mm-hmm. thing. I thought that being a mandated reporter, if two of us witness it, only one of us has to report. Is that not true? Well, legally, as far as we're concerned, no, we're both individually responsible to report because of us, because we are both individually mandated reporters. But I do absolutely understand the CPS side of that, of like, we don't need to know. But there's also the other part of me that thinks, well, whatever I witness might be a little different, different. or what they told me mm-hmm. might be a little different. So I wish there, clerically, I wish there was an easier way to make that happen. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, it's like, you know, if you're, if there's multiple witnesses to one crime, you know, the district attorney is calling multiple witnesses in court, not just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, to me, it makes sense. But then it is, it is difficult to navigate, especially from, you know, a CPS, the call-in center or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember when I did my thesis, mm. it was on mandated reporting Ooh. and the the effects of personal bias, mm. how personal bias starts at the beginning, where you report based on what you know, what you feel, what you've experienced. And that could ultimately affect the trajectory of a CPS case, mm. like the life of a case. Yeah. So say I reported on something completely biased and they go out and investigate and then it turns into something more. Whereas if maybe I didn't feel that way about that case and I didn't feel like it was something I could have reported and I didn't, and those kids would have remained home. Mm. And then it just impacts on all the way to the end of the case. Mm. Unfortunately, not putting up. That's a tough one though, too, because if it turns into something, then it almost feels like had you not called, we Mm -hmm. may not have been able to intervene on what other true abuse was happening. That came out to uh, light because of that call that came in that maybe was biased to begin with. But I'm thinking of, you know, like when there's cases that happen where maybe it comes in for like a dirty home or something. And then when a kid discloses sexual abuse off of that, like we wouldn't have gotten that had somebody not called in about, you know, a, a dirty home or something. So there's a a give and a take I think to that too but yeah it definitely can affect the whole life of the case it definitely could and I I remember during during the time I was interviewing people they said the same thing it was all anonymous I Mm -hmm. had to do do like an anonymous research project so no one was identified but they were definitely all um worked in CPS or had worked in some sort of mandated reporting field and they told me that they don't have any direct or formal training of mandated reporting reporting, and what they report is based on what they know mm-hmm. of uh, child abuse and neglect. So their own reasonable suspicion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, which was so interesting, a lot of the times they told me that when they would staff it with a supervisor before reporting, the supervisor would talk them out of reporting oh. mm-hmm. or they would talk them into reporting that um, something that they didn't feel was reportable. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? 
I don't like being talked out of anything. I think that you shouldn't go into it with a goal of that unless you really like knew legally and ethically that what you were talking someone out of was. But either way, what Sam said in the very beginning, calling in is based off of suspicion. Mm -hmm. And And yeah, a lot of people have to staff with their supervisor before calling in a report. I knew a teacher in a flyover state in this country. And we were talking once about this situation where she was telling me about this. I'm not going to name this date because it's horrible. Um, she was telling me about it. And this kid that she really, truly felt was being abused and the things that they had told her. And this was when I was in my grad program. So I was all, you know, oh, you're a call kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so she's telling me about the situation. And their school had a policy that if you had a suspicion of abuse, mm-hmm. you went to the school counselor. You told them your suspicion. And they said, okay, thanks, bye. And based off of their school counselor, professional, whatever, if it warranted calling in, they would make that phone call. Mm-hmm. And you would just never know what happened. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, a school can have whatever fuck policy they want to, but this state has laws. Yeah. So all of that, not accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm bringing my suspicion to the gatekeeper of reporting. And either yeah. you're going to like it or you're not. So Well, and there's some small towns where the school counselor's related to a bunch of those kids Ugh. or went to high school with the parents mm-hmm. or whatever. And I mean, as we've learned, abusers who want to abuse will find a job that has access to kids. Mm, Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't even tell you how many times I've talked to mandated reporters and they're like, oh, yeah, we watched a 27 minute video and I just clicked through the slides to get to the end. And um, there was no test or anything, so I didn't take it. And then I always ask, like, well, what is your experience being a mandated reporter or reporting anything? Mm -hmm. Well, if I see some bruises. If I see some, um, mm. if I see some welts, of course I'm gonna report it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, it's obvious. <laughs> that's Thank cool. One thing. Well, if you come to school missing an arm, I'll know something's going on. Yeah. Uh, what I think is interesting is when people will call me and ask, you know, whatever I'm gonna call, or what do you think should I call? And then I simply just ask the question, like, mm-hmm. what's holding you back? What you're telling me sounds like you know you should call. So what's the holdup? And then always it's the same response. Well, I don't want their kids taken away. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, that's a leap, man. That is a leap. Mm -hmm. But They don't want to feel that guilt. Mm -hmm. I guess. But whenever someone tells me that, I'm like, if you think you making a phone call just based off of what you know is going to get that person's kids taken from them, then you should have called a long time ago Mm -hmm. if that's the fear. Yeah. Because that's wild. It reminds me a little bit of, um, are you guys a fan of Grey's Anatomy? Yes. Why did I even ask? (laughs) But there's that episode, and usually social workers and CPS are villainized so much Mm -hmm. in TV. And there was a villainization on an episode. I think it was like the mom had Alzheimer's and there was a little kid and whatever. He was being neglected based off of, you know, the other issues within the home. And so one of the attending doctors makes a simple comment to like the stars of the show. Hey, just call CPS on that kid mm-hmm. for what they got going on. And they were trying to talk him out of it. They didn't want, they were like, no, we don't have to do that. We can do this. We can do this. Like trying to basically be social workers and solve their problems first. 
And I'm not going to quote it because I would do horrible at it and I can't find the quote on the internet. But it was some him telling them, like, do you think social workers are stupid? You mm. think they can't talk to people and understand what's going on? You think they're heartless? Mm. And then he makes this whole quote and amazing about how they do thankless work and are villainized oh. and see and like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Shonda Rhimes put it out there. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's so true. Like everyone who mm-hmm. thinks like, oh, if I call CPS... Those kids are going to go to an orphanage somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Be so fucking for real. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Okay. Do you feel like a lot of people um, say those same things in, in your line of work, Sam? Like people just don't are afraid to report because they don't want the people's kids taken away? Um. Yeah. Or even not really, not really the mandated reporters, though. Um, a lot of times mandated reporters will say... Nothing, CPS doesn't need to intervene. The kids are safe. I just need to do my mandated duties. It's a, oh. a popular phrase. I don't think there's any safety concerns. I don't think anything's wrong just doing my mandated duties. It's more if the you don't family. I'm so confused by that. I'm immediately confused. That's It's so common to, to hear that I just need to do my, my mandated duties. I don't know if it's a quote people have read somewhere, but that's what they say a lot. Um, Does that mean, like, because when you say that, if I was made a reporter and made a phone call and said, they're safe, there's no issue, I'm doing my duties, well, my duties are only on the suspicion of abuse or neglect, so the first statement doesn't, two plus two is four, I don't understand what that. A lot of times I think it's when they're reporting something that's historical, Um, and so they'll say, like, well, kid's safe now, there's no issues, but 10 years ago you know, this, this might've happened to them. Um, so that's when they'll say nothing's wrong currently. They're fine, but I need to, I just need to report it because it, it was disclosed. I've run into that a lot actually. Mm -hmm. And even investigating those types of things. And I will be an advocate for a victim However many fucking years ago something happened. Mm-hmm. I, but I do see that a lot, especially with sex crimes. Mm-hmm. It's about like, oh, well, I'm just reporting because this happened 10 years ago. It's historical. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. The word historical to me means that this was investigated, reviewed, and looked at. Mm-hmm. In my mind of like the framework of ref- reports, referrals, investigation, CPS. But if you just tell me something's historical and you mean mm-hmm. it happened a long time ago, don't use that fucking word. Yeah. Say it happened a long time ago. Historical in my mind means it's in a history book and we already know about it. <laughs> I think they're trying to convince you because as a mandated reporter now, I, I get a lot of, um, this happened, but um, it's already been investigated. It's already Someone's already came out and talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so old. It's historical. I mm. think that's where they learn the lingo from. Like, this is historical. This is historical abuse. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it still doesn't matter to me. I don't know the person who investigated your abuse. Mm-hmm. I don't know the person who's responsible for closing your case. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make sure somebody knows about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just because you call it in, first of all, it doesn't even mean anyone's intervening. It doesn't even mean anyone's going out doing nothing. I often to get evaluated Mm -hmm. out and i'm like okay so i trust the process you know gotta trust the process (laughs) yeah yeah well how do you think that um to kind of wrap it up and also like 
provide some solutions to these problems because we see them all the time. What do you think could be done differently or better for mandated reporters in reporting this like abuse and neglect? I mean, I I think there's got to be some sort of consistency in training um, Mm -hmm. because that already off the bat is seems to be a flaw. Um, And then the only other thing in my experience is just having so many people call in the same exact situation. But if that's their what they're trained to do and, and what they're supposed to do is everybody call in the same same story, then. I don't know that there's a a solution to that. I mean, it just, it is what it is. Yeah, that clogs up the the system a bit with Mm -hmm. with multiple reports. Well, at least they're over-reporting and under-reporting. So I guess there's a... That's true. There's a silver lining in that kind of instance, but consistency. I've had to do that too, where it was me and somebody else reported. But honestly, when that other person told me they were reporting, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to report it. In my mind, I was like, hmm. You're fucking sus. Mm. I'm, I'm calling it in, actually. Like, I, can I, see that. I can see that. <laughs> and I'm not trying to professionally call someone out like that. So, like, yeah. I'm going to just make sure I do my job. Um, but, yeah. One thing, because you said it, obviously, there needs to be some consistency. What I have not been able to find is a legal term for mandated reporter. Mm-hmm. And it is defined slightly differently across the board is pretty much suspicion of abuse or neglect. And then again, what is abuse or neglect? Wasn't it that Senator that made that thing and said, um, I think I might've, it was either talking about child pornography or pornography in general and said, I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. Mm. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? No, but that sounds... Yeah, so that's what it sounds like to me. It's like, Mm -hmm. you can't can't really define it because then if you define it, you hold people in a box Mm -hmm. and then you're either under or Mm over-reporting with the idea of hopefully people know what it means to see or to to suspish. Suspish. (laughs) 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 How do you pronounce that word? To suspect. Suspect. What's wrong with you right now? Are you having a stutter problem? I'm having a stroke (laughs) to suss on child. You you followed that very profound quote with suspicion. This is what you get. (laughs) You get what you get and you don't complain. Is that expression? I don't even know what you get and you don't have a fit. There you go. (laughs) Well, I'm going to plug real fast because. There is something called the National Association of Mandated Reporters. Boom. It's free to join, but they also have a standards and certification. You know what's wrong with me is that I pronounce words fucked up. I was about to say certification. <laughs> the wrong, you know, the wrong emphasis. I know what you meant, though. The I wrong emphasis. We would have got it. That's what I was about to do. <laughs> so anyway... Let me just say that the Child Abuse Prevention and Treatment Act is key federal legislation addressing child abuse and neglect. And for more information, go to National Association of Mandated Reporters. You sounded like a little robot right there. I like that. <laughs> I tried it. No, that was really oh, good. Uh, mandated reporting plug. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsored by. <laughs> and you can join Nomer if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's where the consistency starts. Because even in school, when you get taught about mandated reporting or new jobs or volunteer work, every single one is different. Mm-hmm. 
And everyone says, just have to have a suspicion. Well, my suspicion mm. could be so messed up from all my childhood trauma, just mm-hmm. like anybody else, that mm-hmm. I'm going to just ignore every red flag. Oh, you know, shit, like a lot true. of people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I wasn't going to super bring it up, but I might bring it up just because fuck it. Um, my biggest issue is when it comes from super religious people working in the church mm. because of the... I mean, I don't, I don't want to go too heavy and get like, you know, canceled or anything, (laughs) but it's, you know, I was at a church that I went to in college. Um, the, the, what is he? Minister. Minister. Yeah. Pastor. Priest. Pastor. It was a pastor. I think, I don't know. Fuck it. That guy, he (laughs) he got up and started talking about, you know, his affair. I was not ready. I didn't know that was that session that day. It was one of them big ass churches with like a rock band and all the college kids and shit. He gets up, tells everybody how he's quitting the church. He had an affair on his wife. Later, we found out the affair was with like a fucking teenager. Oh, and so yeah, and so but he talked about how he'd asked for forgiveness from the Lord and how you know. So that's what happens in my personal experience when it comes to people who are involved heavily in their church is that they focus on forgiveness. And I only really see this when it comes to child abuse and neglect, specifically with sex crimes. But it is always about if Christ will forgive them. And I've usually combat that with, well, yeah. So if I was drinking and driving and then killed somebody in an accident, can I, would you say that my forgiveness with God is enough or should they take my fucking license? Mm. And it's like, well, that's different. No, it's not pervert. It's not different. And then now I got suspect issues with you. (laughs) (laughs) So that adds a whole other component to mandated reporting is adding that that snippet of religion yeah and bias and bias and all these other problems and i mean i don't think there's any one solution other than the consistency between mandated reporters but you know some people that you you well society suspects to be mandated Mm -hmm. reporters they don't know anything about it like the mailman and the trash man those people are mandated reporters in the state of california hell yeah they are that's cool the trash man and probably other states too Get after it. If they're gonna, that. if we're gonna be, make mandated reporters, the kids that develop film, why not the trash trucks that pick up potentially child porn no, thrown so in the trash? Sense. Yeah, you know it's another I issue that I, I come across sometimes. Yeah, let's hear it. Mandated reporters asking to be anonymous. <gasps> uh, like okay. there is See, some I sort of stigma to to doing their duty. <laughs> Okay, I've seen this a lot, um, and it comes from, or what I've seen specifically comes from when people don't understand who they are as a mandated reporter, meaning Mm. I'm a social worker at my job, and I'm a mandated reporter, but then let's say my sister, I don't like how she's treating her kid, and so I'm going to call in on her, and then I say I'm a mandated reporter, or I click the wrong button when I call, and that's where I don't understand Yes, I'm a mandated reporter, but in this situation, I am not a mandated reporter. I'm a family member calling in mm-hmm. a suspicion on his, on my sibling, at least in the state that I'm calling in at. I've had personal experience with this with a person I was supervising one time. They were supposed to call in a report. And when I found out that they called it in and asked to be anonymous, we had this conversation 
And they're like, well, everybody finds out who reports them anyway. And I said, well, they shouldn't. (laughs) Um, So that is not on you, but you shouldn't neglect your duty to report and then ask to be anonymous because of fear of backlash from the person. Mm -hmm. This should have been a conversation you had with the family about you reporting or with the person you're reporting that you're going to be reporting this information because Mm -hmm. you're a mandated reporter, unless that circumstance is like very unique and reporting is going to cause some sort of problem, but you still shouldn't be anonymous when you call in a report if you're mandated. Well, and then again, different in different states, but in, I believe the states that I'm most aware of, if you're a mandated reporter, you're not entitled to anonymity, like even confidentiality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not saying anonymity, but confidentiality. Yeah. Like I'm calling in, I'm going to do my best to say that it wasn't the teacher but you're not actually entitled to that type of protection. This is part of your job. That's yeah, and that's vice great. versa. I've had also seen people like you were saying earlier, maybe if it's like a family um, situation, mm-hmm. but that person in their normal scope of duty is a mandated reporter and they will sometimes flex that I'm a mandated reporter. So I need feedback on what happened with this when really you're calling in on your mm-hmm. sister and you just want to know, yeah, you want that like mandated reporter, you know, feedback that yeah. sometimes they get and they'll say, I, well, I'm a mandated reporter by, by day, but this is not what you're not calling in your scope of duty for that. And they'll try and, and push that. Yeah. Gross. First of all, mm-hmm. but that's interesting because no matter who called it in, I treated them all the same. Like, you're not entitled to no information, actually. Thank yeah. you so much for your info. Mm-hmm. I'm going to handle it. And that's a that's an abuse of your own power. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because mm-hmm. that's a family member. And if you really had concerns, just call it in as you are. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to know more about your family situation, then maybe you should be a little bit more involved. But that's mm-hmm. my own my bias on that one. <laughs> you can't just use the system to abuse your power. That's just, to me, that's unethical Mm -hmm. and illegal illegal. (laughs) for sure i yeah i always felt bad sometimes um when i would see because sometimes people call whatever it's the it's the sister and she very nicely gives the like the sister gives her name her phone number like yeah call me got any other questions being appropriate and then i've been with people who don't understand that they are entitled to confidentiality legally and I have watched it say, well, your sister, your sister called it in. And right then I'm like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen Fucked that. it up. Uh-huh. But. <laughs> I have seen that where they don't really know how to, social workers or, no, no. Uh, okay, I can't, title protection on that one. Sorry. <laughs> but CPS employees in the past that I have seen have done that, have botched investigations yes. in that way. Like, oh, well. The teacher is very concerned or when parents pressure the, the, the worker and they're like, well, I know it was I know it was that crusty old teacher. She calls in everything on me. Mm-hmm. I, I, always, I used to just be like, OK, <laughs> you can you can assume it is whoever you want to assume it changes. Nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. yeah, that's when you get really crafty about your speech. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know it's when you kind of just deviate the conversation. Well, Regardless of who called it in, we're here now. So let's just handle whatever we got to figure out. Let's figure it out. Exactly. exactly. And that's what makes us experts. And in that's community. what makes us awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. Careful that. Yes. <laughs> Sam, I appreciate you coming on here, being our first guest. Sammy. Yay. Round of applause so, for Sam. 
honored. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Yes. Well, uh, to wrap up this this podcast today, don't forget to um, look up mandated reporting duties in your state. See how it impacts you and maybe try to address some of those bias that you have before you start making reports. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Don't, Love the don't clog up the system. But <laughs> anyways, do it if you have to. <laughs> All right. And that's a wrap for today's episode. And we're going to see you next time. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap for today's topic. If you want to stay in the loop of anything new and exciting happening with this crazy duo, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Clinically Impressed. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to stay connected, stay hydrated, and always practice safe social work.